You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of The Guidepost, brought to you by Costa Sunglasses. Don't forget, if you have any questions or comments, send them into comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. And if we read it on air, you will win yourself a brand new pair of Costas. Uh, it's just me, no co-hosts today. Uh, your buddy Tony's going to take you through this podcast. I have special guests from a company that I believe played an integral role in the conservation of striped bass through Amendment 7 by leveraging their hundreds of thousands of users on social media, uh, followers rather on social media, um, and educating them and activating them. And I am so pleased to introduce the team from Sims today. John Frazier, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing really well, Tony. I'm happy to be in this uh, chat room and uh, having a, a, a nice conversation with you. Oh, man, it's great. It's great to see your smiling face. Paul, how are you doing, young man? It, is, it has been too long since we have seen each other. We, we spend too much time on text and email. Uh, it is you, you're looking well. Uh, I'll tell you that much. You're looking good and healthy. Sims must be treating you right. I'm glad to hear it. Tony, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, just been keeping on, keeping on, man. Just one day after the next. Excited to be here and chatting with you guys. So it's funny, uh, you know, my relationship with Paul goes all the way back to uh, when we were filming Hardlined back in the day, and um, and and uh, we were trying to we were trying to sandwich conservation into a 14 minute awesome film. <laughs> on uh on stripers so i was competing against all these incredible drone shots and all these super famous fishermen and uh and paul tolerated me throughout that process so i big kudos to paul for uh for living through uh the nightmare that is me in an editing process <laughs> he's, he's laughing a little too hard folks he's la he's laughing a little bit too hard but um but kudos to sims guys um I've been doing this a long time and uh and the companies that walk the walk with conservation are uh are few and far between and um and and it's it's so refreshing and amazing when a company comes to us and says, "Hey, can you tell us about what's going on?" Um and and I just want to hear from y'all. I know conservation is in your heart. Uh, it, it's in your day to day and, and how you function at your different roles at Sims. Um, you know, I just want to hear about that. I, I want to hear about how you how you manage all the stuff for working for a big company like Sims. And then just like I had to do in the movie somehow, like squeeze conservation into it, because uh, I know I know that y'all's passion. So I'm going to start talking. Whoever stop talking, rather, whoever wants to take it away, take it away. I want to hear your story. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, you know, Tony, I, it's funny because uh, I always say before I started working at Sims, kind of the extent of my conver conservation was, you know, um, 
don't litter, uh, treat fish right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I've always been an advocate for catch and release, but really and truly until I started working at Sims, that was kind of the extent of it. And, you know, since being at Sims and, you know, getting kind of eyeball deep in all these different fisheries, um, it's just become, uh, you know, something that, uh, not just myself, but all of us here at Sims, um, and, and, and not just think about, but we, we work in on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, for me, it's funny. Um, when I started at Sims, I was not a parent. I am now. And, you know, I always say too, it's like, uh, you know, the health of our rivers, lakes, and oceans, um, you know, obviously they're critical to our business, but, you know, I would also just kind of kick that question off, um, by saying that the majority of us here at Sims are diehard anglers as well. So, again, the health of our rivers, lakes, and oceans are incredibly important to our own personal well-being. And, you know, for me, that's something that, you know, now that my oldest son is old enough to, you know, go on the river with me, it's that much more. How old is he now, John? He's four. And uh, he loves getting Good times, out. man. That's a, that's a fun <laughs> age. They're not, you're not so worried about keeping them alive 24 seven. Right. Right. They're, fo- they're a little more durable. <laughs> like you've seen their head clunk off the floor enough to be like, yeah, he's fine. Absolutely. You, know, so you, you feel okay taking them fishing, right? Yep, absolutely. And you know, it's just, uh, like I say, I'll just kind of close the loop on that, but you know, watching him, it's, it's, Sometimes it's a little scary to think that, you know, if we don't come together as a fishing community, the privilege that I had growing up of of fishing with, you know, my family, my friends, it's really scary to think if people don't jump on board and, and, you know, attack these conservation initiatives, he might not have that. And I always say, you know, fishing is a privilege and it's not a promise. And, you know, now's the time to make a difference. So that's kind of my uh, viewpoint uh, coming from Sims. And Paul, I don't know if you want to jump in on that. You know, Paul and I talk about this daily. So uh, jump on in, Paul. Yeah, I, I think I think for me, it's a little different just because, I mean, I'm, I think pretty young compared to a lot of other people that have the opportunity to manage um, and have input on a voice like Sims that influences and reaches so many anglers around the world. But in college, I studied fisheries in Montana, and I kind of was always, I don't want to say rubbed the wrong way, but it felt always like so many people had ideas, but action uh, was sometimes something that took a while to kind of um, – it, it, sometimes it takes a while for people that have opinions within conservation or management, whether it's a state or a federal agency or it's a nonprofit, to kind of do something. And kind of throughout my career so far as an adult working with Fly Fishing Film Tour and then working with Fraser at Sims, it's been really amazing to see what happens when you can connect with so many different nonprofits and to be able to take a call to action, uh, take an idea, take a concept, take something that really needs to get um, brought to the front line in, in front of anglers everywhere to help make a difference, and then to be able to take that idea, take that concept, take that action, and be able to do something with it. Um, you know, for me, I like take it it's personally. It's pretty meaningful, all the time, but... isn't it, Paul? Like, doesn't that make doesn't that make it easier, right, to get up and go to work to know that you you have that facet? I mean, I know it does for me. I mean, for me, just considering that I I 
post on social media for Sims every single day out of the year. I mean, it's the number one reason that I kind of holds the rest of it together because we're also trying to find great content that's engaging, that keeps people focused on fishing because that's why they're following us. But, you know, at the end of the day, the most important things, the, the things that we work hardest on is, is collaborating, working with our nonprofit and conservation partners to be able to keep that messaging consistently across email and social media, across all of these different You know what I never see on works. Sims? You know what I never see on Sims? What's your favorite fly? You know? What what what's your what's your favorite crankbait? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that kind of that kind of BS engagement, it's so it's so uh bottom of the barrel. And and what you just described is not easy. You know, I don't know how many of the listeners or social media gurus, your host is not, as I'm sure you've become aware. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, you know, it's not easy to develop that content. And, and we're like an inch wide and a mile deep on what we what we work on. Um, you know, the fisheries policy stuff, because that's what you have to do. But but in in both of y'all's role, you have to know what's going on with the pebble mine, what's going on with water issues in the West, what's going on with tarpon in Florida, what's going on with our stripers on the East Coast, what's going on with redfish. You know, it's it's pretty amazing um, the amount of material that y'all cover, and I know that has to be challenging. I know it does, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's something, uh, you know, Paul and I talk about um, quite often, and I'll just kind of take this opportunity to, uh, you know, give give Paul all the kudos in the world. You know, he and I discuss all the time that, you know, there's conservation uh, initiatives across the board, like you just mentioned, Tony. And I think that, you know, we could make the job a lot easier just by kind of checking a box and putting out a message. But uh, one thing I will say about Paul and something we totally agree on is that in order to make a difference, you know, we've got to have some meaning behind everything that we push out. Um, by no means is that the most efficient thing to do for us. But um, that's one thing I, I applaud uh, Sims and especially Paul for is just how thoughtful um, all of those conservation messages are. So not to make you blush here, Paul, but uh, outstanding work <laughs> on that. <laughs> uh, no, I, pre I appreciate it. But, but here's also the thing that I never would have realized until I took a role within social media is that it changes so quickly. You know, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or it's YouTube or it's Twitter or whatever the platform is, the reality is today you can post one thing within 24 hours and reach over a million people. And so how we look at these social media platforms and how we treat them and how we try to share this messaging can actually be used for a positive thing. And honestly, the more time you spend working within the social media world, the more all you want to do is see things that actually have impact, which is almost always our conservation messaging. Um, you know, maybe it's not always perfect. We're trying to do our best by really working with people like you, Tony, and Cody on the team. I mean, everyone at the Saltwater Guys Association um, to be able to take that information and distill it down so we can reach more people with that messaging. People want to do the right thing. Oftentimes, it's it's our goal to try to figure out how these platforms work so we can reach people with that message and give them the surface level 
sometimes more than just a surface level amount of information so that they can take that, understand it, engage with it enough to say, yeah, this is actually something I can do. I can make a difference. And, and we saw that this last spring with amendment number seven and last fall when we were anticipating for amendment seven public comment to period to come out, you know, we're always trying to chase that. And honestly, you give us a lot of credit, Tony, but if it wasn't for the nonprofit organizations like you, you know, and, and, and your team for really recognizing what we're trying to help and work with you on, the impact would be a lot different. You know, it's, hey, it's definitely know, mutual. It's, Paul, you know, let me tell you something. Uh, if I was, if I was a coach of a high school football team and a minivan pulled up and, and two twin kids that were six, seven, 280 and run four four forties got out of the minivan. I'd be like, I don't care what district you live in. You're you're playing on my team, boys. Like, you know, that's <laughs> that's kind of when I when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, I have a zillion followers and a and a, and we sell top quality equipment and we believe in conservation and we have a crack, you know, marketing and social team. Can we help spread your message? I'm like, where do you want me to hide the body? <laughs> you know, like that's that's about it. Cause like it's so hard for us you know, to get to amplify that message and get it out. Um, and, and, you know, you know how it is. I, I'm sure it's the same with captains. I, I know y'all love captains. I, I have the utmost respect for all of those guys down in Florida. I like to think that we hit issues with the same kind of vigor and moxie that they do. Um, we're both very, you know, real groups that are staffed by real fishermen and, and people that, you know, it hits home when stuff goes bad. Um, and, and for y'all, you know, for how deep we are into this stuff and, and the tiny little nuances and for y'all to absorb all that and put it out on social media, we're just a fisherman who cares somewhere in the world can know a little bit more about what we're fighting for. You know, to me, that's the magic. Um, because man, it gets tough. It gets tough to explain this stuff because you want to be honest and tell them everything, but you can't, but you still have to be honest and have integrity. And I think you guys thread that needle really well. Yeah. And I, I would just kind of add on to what Paul was saying. And I think it kind of dovetails into that, Tony, is that I think, you know, whether it's a conservation message or, um, you know, a product message or just a, you know, really great, uh, you know, uh, moment on the water. I think that, you know, internally at Sims, we really try and, uh, what I call post with purpose. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I, you know, Paul and I talk about this, uh, quite often as well, you know, social media, you know, could be, as easy as you wanted, as, as easy as you want it to be. But if you want to take these really complicated, uh, you know, messages and boil them down into layman's terms, which I think is critical, uh, you know, for our community and not just our community, but beyond our community, I think it's just imperative that people understand, you know, what's black, what's white, what does this mean? I think that you know, for me, uh, you know, if you have a conversation with somebody whose, you know, whole career is 100%, you know, devoted to conservation, sometimes I find myself, it's like, wow, I don't know exactly what you just said. It sounds super important. And it's easy to kind of 
you know, dismiss. But when you boil it down and put it into layman's terms, I think that that is, you know, one of the uh, critical things that uh, all brands that are, you know, fighting the conservation fight need to keep in keep in mind is people need to understand the issues and all and also, you know, potential uh, resolutions. Yeah, like to, to Fraser's point, a, a recent study that just came out shows that people's attention span is five to seven seconds. I mean, with the way that Instagram is shoving short video content down your throat right now, I mean, it seems like it's more like one second before someone moves on to the next thing. And how do you capture somebody's attention and also get that message across and then provide more opportunities for them to learn more? And I feel Listen, like that man, has to be the balance in the future. I'm a Gen Xer. Yes. We're the most badass generation that ever. We we were the ones that like <laughs> my parents were like, I haven't seen him in four days. I'm sure he's fine, you know. And I was like smoking cigarettes and drinking beer at like 12 years old, like on a, on a on a mongoose bicycle. You know what I mean? In my neighborhood, like but they just didn't. It was a different world. I'll just put it that I have kids. My, I do not raise my kids that way. I, not even close. I you know you look back and you're like, how am I even alive? So, so like I look at Instagram. And I'm like, I don't get it, right? I don't, there's all these like video. And I'm like, what is that? What is that idiot doing? Like, did he just, <laughs> what did he just do? Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There's, people watch this. So I'm like, I've given up. I'm not even, I'm so far out in la la land, but I'm smart enough to know the impact and say, just because I'm old as dirt, doesn't mean that there's not value in it it just because i don't get it doesn't mean that this is the way of the future and uh and and man thank god there are there are people that can take guys like me and what we what we know and what we've learned in our lives and put it into a format where the younger generation can learn because i'll tell you you know everybody picks on the younger generation but this is what i'll tell you they care more about conservation than my generation did. There, there are some real standouts from my generation that should be, you know, applauded and put up on a pedestal, um, you know, for, for the positions that they took. But I think the younger kids in, even in grammar school were taught that, you know, Oh, here, here's, here's the thing. And it's called the environment and we don't throw dirty oil filters into the water right anymore and and we don't just drop our used batteries in there and the water needs to be clean and and you're taught the leaps that we've made in science and that becoming curriculum it's easier to convince a 20 something that we need conservation than it is a 50 something as a matter of fact no offense to people in my age group but i gave that shit up like, I, if you want to learn and you're older, come to me, but I, I don't have the time to have individual arguments and explain to you why all the stuff that you think you're right, you're dead ass wrong. I, I just got out of a striped bass hearing and I, I, it, I, I, it's just when you hear some of the stuff that people say, you're just like, the only thought in my head is like, okay, well, you know can he really do this into his eighties? Right. I don't, I only have so much time left to deal with this person. And, and you know, the younger generation up, if this was a war of attrition, we're going to win. And that's something that I want the public to understand is that we're getting better as a civilization 
in the way that we view the environment and with you guys standing there with a megaphone and hundreds of thousands of followers who desperately want to be cool and want to catch those fish that y'all have the amazing drone videos of and want to be a part of that. And, and they want to be in the cool kids crowd and that the world that y'all have created, you know, the cool kids crowd when I was a kid was loading your cooler, dumping them all out on the floor and having a, having a tackle shop, take a picture of a Polaroid and stick it up on a wall. And, you know, you were the guy who, who killed all these fish. That was the cool, that's not the cool kid anymore. So that's changing. And I, and I think all of these conservation minded companies like y'all are, are doing a huge service to the community. So back to, you know, a little bit more personal. Now, Paul, I, I know from our wailing and gnashing of teeth through the editing of Hardline, I know that you grew up in Connecticut and also from your cell phone number. And I know that you grew up with a passion for stripers and bluefish. I know that about you. Um, and, and I know that's where that's, that's the link for you, right? That was the, that was the gateway drug. John, tell me about your story. When was that moment? I could tell in my fishing life, I could tell you the moment where I was like, this is all I want to do. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do, I want to fish. How do I fish every day? And as my mom wept in the corner, you know, when she wanted me to go to law school and I was telling her this when I was like seven years old, but I was like, I just want to fish. That's all I want to do. You know, John, how did, how did you, cause I think all, all of us have the passion. What was the, what was that match strike for you? What was that moment in your life? What were you fishing for? Where were you, where you were like, this is it. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I always go back to, uh, you know, a Christmas morning when I was about five years old and I walked out into the living room and, um, you know, the way my family did it, they'd, you know, I had a brother and a sister and there'd be like three piles of gifts. And, uh, I remember walking out, seeing a little Zebco closed face deal. And it was one of those things, like I didn't, I just knew immediately. It's like, okay, that's my pile. Right. And, um, I just remember, I mean, and, and I always say this, it's so funny, like, uh, to look at, uh, you know, just the path that my life has taken, uh, the, the places I've been, uh, the people that, uh, I consider brothers. Um, I mean, how, how I met my wife, um, you know, where I went to college, none of those things would have happened if I didn't, get that little cheap Zebco rod on Christmas day. And, you know, I would say kind of the spark was I grew up in central Florida, um, you know, catching brim and bass and, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember we went to the beach one year and I was soaking a rotten shrimp in the surf. And, uh, you know, for hours and hours and hours, everybody had gone in. We had, we didn't catch shit. And all of a sudden, uh, my line starts moving and I'm like, oh, I got one, you know, and anyway, long story short, it was, you know, like a 15 pound redfish in the surf. And I was probably eight years old. And to me, that was just, I was like, okay, this, this is my thing. This is how I, 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 I identify myself, you know, and and, you know, kind of like you, Tony, it's like, I think, you know, I got out of high school and um, always fished, loved fishing. Um, 
and it was time to go to college. And, uh, you know, my parents are like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know, you know? Um, and we went and looked at colleges and, you know, I looked at UF, FSU and, you know, these kind of cliche big universities and a buddy of mine said, Hey, I'm going to go look at Eckerd college. Why don't you come with me? And Eckerd college, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a tiny school. It sits literally right on uh, Boca Siega Bay in uh, St. Petersburg. And I set foot on campus and I was like, okay, this is where I'm going. Because uh, you, I, I could, I could fish every day. And that's where, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say I fished every single day. And that's kind of when I consider, you know, the trajectory of, you know, fishing becoming, you know, just a part of my lifestyle. That's what, that's where it all happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, from college, uh, just kind of kept fishing and, uh, you know, the, for me, the old saying is true is do what you love and the rest will, will kind of follow naturally. And, um, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so I'm a success story. I think to all the young people, if there's any young people listening out there, I'm sure there are, I think you're the one lesson that I get from your story is John is like, follow your passion, right? Follow your heart. You know, you spend a lot of time in your life working a lot of time. You should probably pick something that you love. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't do something just because, you know, don't go get that accounting degree just because you're like, well, I could, cause you're going to be a miserable, miserable person unless you really love numbers and accounting. Um, I did not know, love a, numbers or accounting. No, numbers, numbers scare me. So I have yeah. a couple of bugaboos. I've talked about them on previous podcasts. Uh, heights, anything above like 40 feet, unless I am like strapped in like an astronaut, you don't want to, you don't want to like 20 feet. I can get on my roof. No big deal. I'm a kind of Mr. Fix-It guy, you know, uh, 40 feet, no good. Like if I'm up in a, you know, even like a tr big giant, like deer stand, you know, like 25, 30 feet, I'm like, I don't really need to shoot a deer that bad. Um, numbers, numbers and like Excel spreadsheets professionally. There's no reason to even email me one. Not unless there's a picture on it. I can't even look at it. I don't even know how to make the numbers add up. Um, thank God we have an awesome finance person that can like give all this stuff to me. Um, so Paul, you know, John got a Zebco, probably the 202 or the 204 re or the 404 reel. As I think it was a that. 404, yeah. 404 with his age. Um, <laughs> so, Paul, what was that? Did you have that moment where you were like, yeah, so I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to fish, right? Yeah, I, I've definitely got the fishing story, but I feel like the conservation angle is even better. Because my dad, like you, hey, is man, also... This is your... your, your this is your time, my man. Make it shine. You tell me whatever story you want to tell me. This is this is good because your name's Tony. My father's name's Tony. Everyone in the Bronx, where he still lives to this day, calls him Anthony. You know. So, um, anyways, he's a you know silly, goofy Italian guy who's had a mustache since the second grade. He's the best man in my life. He's just hysterical. He's been a phenomenal role model. And he was always trying to figure out like what I wanted to do when I was going to get older. And I was just like, I don't know, like obsessed with fishing. Like I want to do something kind of focused on fishing. And I had seen a ad on the back of Trout Unlimited magazine for the last premiere of Red Gold, which was a felt so film about the pebble mine in Bristol Bay, Alaska. And 
at the time, it was a cooperative group of um, people from the native community, people from TU, local Alaskans, some commercial fishermen that were going around touring with the film. And it was showing in New York City at the Lincoln Center. My dad let me skip a day of school to go watch the film because I was so confident that it was like something I was interested in. And we had gone to that. Um, I ended up chatting with a bunch of people that were a part of that film. And it was like pretty much at that moment where I decided I wanted to study fisheries. And then I went out to school in Montana to study fisheries. And I eventually made it to Bristol Bay, where I eventually met some of the people I had met at the Lincoln Center watching the last official premiere of Red Gold. Um, and since then, got really involved with the pebble mine conservation uh, and, and, and really kind of found that trajectory in life because of that one film, which is one reason I guess I'm passionate about even to a certain extent social media, but film work and, and messaging and what it means. Because for me, there was just seriously one film and one moment combined with the interactions with those people that were part of that film that kind of solidified my belief in what was more important than just catching fish. Um, so for me, that was kind of more or less, I mean, I've have a lot of great fishing moments with great friends that, you know, involve screaming and, and landing fish and all that good stuff. But that was really kind of what pushed me to the, the next level of kind of committing myself to life. That's awesome. Staying within fishing. I mean, it really explains a lot. I'll tell you, you know, why you, why you became a professional in what you do, you know, to kind of give that to the next generation to find the next Paul Nicoletti out there. Who's a kid who's like, yeah, I don't know what I want to do. And you're, you know, you're making these films, this awesome content. And maybe you'll, maybe you'll ignite that spark in another kid and give them faith, you know, that they can, that they can be successful in, in instead of, you know, doing the status quo and what's normal kind of breaking out and, and being a little brave and, and going into that great beyond. I, I got to tell you my moment. Cause I'm, I'm looking at the, bass. <laughs> I'm looking at the bass on the wall. Right. So I grew up in Tennessee in the far Southwest corner of Tennessee to Mississippi, you know, I stepped off my property and my parents' property and like Mississippi was right there and Arkansas was right there. Um, and it's really, a, really a, a, an incredible place to grow up if you, if you hunted and fished and believe me, I hunted and fished. Uh, it was part of my family. Um, you know, my grandfather was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, solid, famous, uh, trick shooter, skeet. She has trophies from like 1927, winning the state championship ski shooting uh, for Tennessee. And let me tell you something: if you win the state championship in Tennessee for shooting, you're doing something. So I, I grew up fishing. There was no, there was no if ands or buts. You know, I was the only boy in the family, and I was I was going to hunt and I was going to fish. So we were on this lake in Mississippi. I'm not a spot burner, so I won't name the lake. Beautiful lake, though. I mean, beautiful, beautiful spring fed, clear water you know, real pretty part of Mississippi. And, uh, and there was just falling down dock. And I had my, I, I was not, I was nine years old. And I had my Abu Garcia 5500 C uh, bait caster, which was some of the first bait casters that they came out for fresh water, where they wouldn't backlash every time you threw it out. It had like a little magnetic drag on it, it was high, it was high tech then. And I had a headed and fiberglass rod. And I had a rebel deep we are Tennessee shag color crankbait. And I threw right along the side of that. And I caught a lot of fish in my life, right? It's all I wanted to do, uh, even more so than hunt. And I, I threw that right along the pilings. And I made about two cranks on that drag. And blam. And the biggest bass I ever saw in my life came out and swallowed that crankbait like it was nothing. Like it was a, like it was a grain of sand. And I fought that thing. And I, to this day, I do not know how I landed it. Um, but I fought it like a chant. We were in like a 
16 foot aluminum boat and I killed it because that's what we did back then. And I got a skin mount, but I was, it was a 12 and a half pound bass in Mississippi. And I was nine years old <laughs> and I was like, that is it. I quit school. I'm going to live here on this lake. I'm going to catch a bigger bass than that. <laughs> and don't anyone ever bother me because this is what I'm going to do. Um, so, you know, it's funny, you know, it, it's, it's just funny how we all got here, like the little, the little personal story. So, you know, the other thing that I'd really like to learn about you guys, and Paul, you may have tipped your hat with the pebble mine, and I'm not asking you to pick favorites. There, you, you could have 10 answers to this question, right? Doesn't matter. But like professionally, you know, professionally, what what made you feel? And you, and there, like I said, you could have ten answers. I'm not telling you to pick a favorite. What's what are some things that made you like go home and tell Paul? I know your girlfriend, John, your wife, and, and just kind of be like, you know what? I think I did something good today. Like I think I think there's a, there's a hundred thousand people working on this and everybody's making a difference and we're going in the right direction. But I think I made a little bit of a difference today. Not I'm the best, not in that. I feel in my heart, something I did made a difference. So what, what would that, what, what would that be for y'all? One or two of those things. Um, you want to start Paul or, um, yeah, I got a kind of a cool one. Um, it was essentially in 2020, right before the Pebble Tapes came out with the CEO from um, Northern Dynasty kind of showing some of the behind the scenes stuff. There was a point in time where Trout Unlimited and Bass Pro Shops, Johnny Mortis specifically, and a couple of other people were supposed to be on the Tucker Carlson show. Um, and they needed some footage at the last second um, to help Tucker Carlson you know, go on a show and, and, and talk about the pebble mine. And I was pretty skeptical on what the interests were and why Fox news wanted some footage, but I spent some time guiding up there. So I had a lot of drone footage, some amazing bear stuff. I mean, all of this kind of, you know, just the visual kind of stuff that they needed for that television show that evening. And I had people telling me that Fox news is want to keep the footage forever, but no one could find footage. And this is like the fight to pick. And basically at that moment, I had to decide whether or not I thought this footage was going to be basically taken advantage of or used for a purpose that I didn't agree with or whether or not Trout Unlimited, I could trust and, and, and believe in the people that had been fighting the fight, you know, people over in Bristol Bay, Alaska and, and TU Alaska specifically, um, that it was for the right reason. And so I gave them all of this footage kind of reluctantly after talking with Frazier and Rex and some of the other people here at Sims, uh, cause I wasn't working for Sims at the time. And I ended up sending it over and it was like later that evening when the actual, um, television series came out and it was not, but a couple days later before we kind of got the announcement that, um, the, the permit was suspended at the time, which was a huge controversy. And I remember thinking like, did that actually make the difference, you know, like, or at least I had maybe a tiny little piece of that, you know, but I made the decision because I believed in the people that I had been supporting for multiple years up in Alaska, just with content and messaging through other organizations, trying to help support them. And that was like one of those really, really, really special moments where I kind of sat down, cracked a beer and I was like, holy shit <laughs> like that actually that might have that might have been something a little bit more than you know all those other messages and and all the other emails and all the other work that might have been the right decision and i was skeptical so that was kind of that was a big moment for me and i'll just add i was the guy that was hounding paul 
I need that footage. I need it. I need it. (laughs) And I'm like, no, man, it's for the right reason. (laughs) Hey, man, look, you're not, look, in this, in this conservation battle, the goal is to win. The the goal is not, I had a conversation. I'm not going to say who with, and I'm not going to say what group we were talking about or anything like that. But, you know, I, I think y'all y'all believe me when I tell you this. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to have integrity and to take a side. And I'm not going to I'm not gonna bend my integrity to have a seat at a table. Uh you there isn't no amount of money in the world that'll shut me up. Um, you could back a, you could back a dump truck of money up to my house and I'm still going to fight for stripers. I don't care. And I'll, I'll fight till the end. Um, and, uh, you know, there's stuff that's just more important than that. So anyway, you can't look at these things and say, well, you know, maybe I don't agree with what this guy said about this, you know, totally unrelated topic a week ago, or you have to say, I want to win. I want to win and I want to salt the earth where my enemy is. And, and I, I don't want anything to grow there for a thousand years. And I'm going to, and I don't want them to come back and I don't want to fight them again. And I want to crush them like Conan, right? What is Conan? <laughs> I say it all the time. What's the meaning of life, right? To, to see your enemy driven before you and hear the wailing of their women. You know, that is, that is there, there is, you, you know, some people will take a position of like, oh, no, you know, we can't say that we've worked for like 10 years, we have this great relationship. And, and we're such good friends with these people. And, and, you know, da da da. And I said, well, what do you get out of it? What do you get out of it? Because these problems with this fish are still there. If you've been friends with these people for 20 years, they're, they're fun on you, you know, they're, they're pulling one over on you. Cause they don't want to make the changes. They don't bureaucrats. We deal a lot with bureaucrats and we deal a lot with, you know, bad companies and all that kind of, they don't want anyone to know their name. They want to have their big pension and their, their big government payout when they're, when they're done with their time and you, you kick a hornet's nest around them. They're going to pay attention. They don't want that. They don't want that at all. Now, on the other side of things, you know, you do, if you, if you play the game, like I do, you burn a couple of bridges along the way. Maybe people don't like you and, and, you know, you're not, you're not climbing that corporate ladder, but you're fixing stuff. And that's what we're here to do. Right. That's my, that's my role is to fix things. And, you know, John, you said something about, you know, your son and you could take him fishing, you know, uh, my son would rather go fish ponds and and rivers and creeks for a variety of, you know, fish that are here than for me to take him out on the big boat and go striper fishing like we used to do. Because there aren't a lot of stripers left in my part of the Chesapeake Bay. And if you don't think that crushes my soul, every week during the season, when I'm like, hey, you want to do this? And he's like, nah. He's like, let's go to the float tubes and go to one of the mill ponds. Because I can catch six or seven species of fish. I can catch big fish. I can catch small fish. I can catch fish on every cast. 
you know, I can do this, this, and this. And, you know, last time we went for stripers, we drove 50 miles and we caught two little ones. And that's my job. And I'm missing all that time with my son. And I only say this as a precautionary tale as a, as a father to younger children. By the time Stripe Bass recover, my son is probably going to have a scholarship to MIT or something learning astrophysics, and I will have missed this window with him, right? I will never get this time back with my son. And, uh, and that's kind of what drives me. You know, that's what, if anyone ever wonders why, I, I don't want other fathers who are diehard fishermen who, you know, that, that baby pops out and you're looking at them and, you know, your wife's like, Oh my God, what that name? He's so beautiful. And you're like, I wonder what size waders he's going to wear. You know what I mean? Like the decision, you know what I mean? You're like, shh, shh, be quiet woman. I, I'm wondering if he can throw a zero weight fly rod, you know? And like, I, if I, if I break the barbs off the hooks, can I teach him fly tying at one, you know, like all these, all this stuff you're, this is what's in our heads when we see those little rascals. And to have that taken away is shameful. Um, it's absolutely shameful. And it's it's something that we should, if you love your family, if you, you know, you have that, that you know, I'll fight to the death for them. And, and the outdoors is such a big part of your family life. You should probably, probably fight, fight really hard for the outdoors too. So, you know, I, I we've, we've talked about what brought y'all in. John, I want you to pick up if you besides telling Paul to give you the content, there has to be something, you know, one thing that made you feel good in your heart. And then I got one more question for y'all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there there are a few that uh that come to mind. Um, and you know, obviously I'm a Sims guy and uh, you know, this brand is just so much more than, you know, a place to work. Um, so I'm going to take this opportunity and just uh, pat Sims on the back. And and what I would say is, uh, you know, I've worked here since 2014. And there's just been so many instances where uh, I've just been so amazed that, um, you know, there's a conservation initiative that needs to, you know, happen right then and there. And I've just been continuously amazed at just how quickly the entire company is willing, willing and able to drop everything to make a difference. Um, you know, one of those was years ago. I remember um, it was there was a hearing at the Capitol in Helena here in Montana. And in under 24 hours, you know, we all our sales meeting was going on. And in under 24 hours, we all rallied up and got several organized, several big buses throughout town. And it's like, we're going to go go to the Capitol together and, you know, you know, say, say our piece on, you know, why a dam should not go on the Smith river. We dropped everything. We cut a day out of our sales meeting to make that happen. So that's one, but I would say the one that really does stand out and it's, it's kind of similar is um, last December, what happened on the uh, upper Madison river uh, with the dam malfunction. And that was another one of those things where, uh, company-wide email went out. And I think, you know, 10 minutes later, uh, another email went out organizing, you know, transportation for employees. Um, you know, it's like, if you can go, go and help. Um, and I just thought that was, uh, just a real testament, um, and, and kind of, uh, uh, case in point that, you know, Sims really and truly does care. Uh, and, and, you know, one thing I would also say as it kind of applies to conservation as a whole, uh, is 
you know, I'm in Montana, uh, Paul's in Montana, Tony, you're in, in Maryland. Uh, I, I, I understand, you know, how if you live in Montana and you're looking at water quality issues in Florida and it's kind of like, man, that really sucks. You know, there's nothing I can do. And, and, you know, what happened on the Madison, you know, it really hit home for me because I think I probably fish the Madison more than any other local river. I mean, that's our backyard. And, um, you know, when, when, when it's happening in your own backyard, it's just kind of like you want everybody in the world to know about the issue. You want everybody in the world to pitch in. Um, so myself and many, many others from Sims, we all rallied together in the morning. And I remember leaving Bozeman and I'm like, geez, man, I don't even want to see, uh, how low the, the Madison is. It's going to be too scary, you know? And I remember, you know, uh, going up and it's like, okay, the lower looks okay. And, uh, anyway, kind of get up, um, kind of to the Reynolds pass area, kind of ground zero. And it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is bad. This is so low, but it was really an uplifting feeling to see just how many people were out there putting fish, you know, taking fish out of side channels, putting them in deeper water. And, um, that was really an uplifting feeling. And, you know, again, that one stands out, um, not only because I, I just think that that's a rare instance where you can put group boots on, on the ground and get that kind of instant gratification, uh, knowing that you did something good, knowing that you saved fish, knowing that you, you know, put a bunch of sculpins back in, into the water, you know, not just the trout, you know. Um, and so, uh, again, to leave at, you know, five o'clock in the morning or whenever it was and to come home and be like, man, if I wasn't there and I didn't, you know, put that, you know, brown trout in a bucket and put him in deeper water, it probably would have died. So like, that was a really unique, um, kind of thing. And, and I, and I, unfortunately, fortunately, and unfortunately, I think that that kind of instant gratification when it comes to conservation work is really hard to come by. And, um, there's no, there's no end zone celebration for us. That that's what I'm saying. There's not, there's no, there's no like, yeah, we won. Let's go. Right. Right. No. So, and when it happens, Holy Christ, embrace it. Cause it ain't going to happen again soon. Right. And that's what I'm saying is, is that's one of the, the, and before we started recording this, you know, you said something that I, I feel like there's probably some coworkers that are like, okay, we get it. We get it. Cause I am constantly saying, you know, I think that one of the best things that the fishing community as a whole can do for conservation is to celebrate all the wins and let the world know when conservation works. And, you know, I, I just think that that's so important because I can tell you again, you know, growing up in, in Florida, um, you know, and all of the, the water quality uh, issues down there, I went to a quote unquote conservation, uh, you know, round table. And there's all these, you know, older folks down there who are essentially saying the Everglades are done. And to me, I'm just like, that is, I get it. This is a terrible, terrible situation. It breaks my heart. But 
if if that's the message we're putting out there, then why should anybody care? So all I'm saying is I'm just a big advocate of, you know, whether it's a conservation win in the uh, the OP or the Everglades or, uh, you know, the Northeast for stripers, we need to be loud and proud and prove that conservation does work so that people uh, are inspired to get involved and take action. You know, um, I don't know. I'm sure y'all have mentors or have had mentors in all of this, um, you know, throughout your life, maybe in the fly fishing industry, you know, Paul, I think you mentioned your father was a, was a huge impact on your life. And I was just lucky enough. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet lefty when I was probably your age, Paul. And for whatever reason, still unknown to me, he took me under his wing. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the lessons that he taught me, John, is, is just what you said. Like it's, um, it's an, it's a never ending battle because no one will fight for this. I, I would, I would bet you that the old people saying the Everglades are done. We're not diehard fishermen. Fishermen, fishermen have hope. It's the whole basis of our sport. <laughs> every time we make a cast you're like please eat it and then they don't and you're like i'm gonna do it again <laughs> and you know and, and your phone's ringing and your wife's like yeah i see me home an hour ago and you're like oh i gotta i still got hope i still got hope in my heart i'm gonna keep going you know i'll face the wrath when i get home i don't care I'm i always here now. i always have hope that i'm not gonna get in trouble uh yeah, for... <laughs> yeah there's, and I know that doesn't happen that's, you know what i mean how often does that happen yeah but you know there's hope and like it's who we are as personalities as as fishermen that you always there's always around the bend there's always the next rise there's always something that you've never seen before and and if you can translate that same hope at the end of the line that you can for like situations that are that are hopeless when you look at them on paper you know i, I would just say that mother nature is pretty incredible and if you give it an opportunity a lot of times it isn't fixing it it's giving it an opportunity to fix itself and that is you know there's a lot of different ways you can do that but you we have that on our side you know to give people inspiration to go fix things whether it's the creek you know that you fish as a kid and and you're you're a kid listening to this and you want to you know oh there's trash around it go pick the trash up man you know what you do every day is becomes your character and and who you are and I, it's it's hard to tolerate when you see somebody abusing the resource or you know it, it, treating it in a manner that that you wouldn't but we're only really responsible for ourselves especially when you're younger so take that responsibility and let it build inside of you and learn lessons every time that you're out there fishing and and never lose hope i don't know how, how could you ever go fishing again if you didn't have hope we've all been there all the I, hatch is going off and then it's not and then you go the next day and it's not there i feel oh, like a huge bait ball gone you know but it's always here it's always hope yeah i i, I feel like confidence um has 
a much, much, much bigger role in being a successful angler. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, some of the, the best anglers that I fish with that I know are the ones that are so confident that, you know, something's going to happen, you know, you know, they, Paul, they you have know Platt, right. You know, Mike Platt, he's your buddy from Connecticut, right? I know he, yeah. I know Rex, the Rex who y'all work with Rex messing, who's an awesome conservationist himself. He, he used to fish with Platt before y'all moved out West and, and Platt and I were on a podcast like a month ago. And we are, we are both convinced that we have willed fish to eat that confidence. <laughs> like I'm going to get a bite this cast. You know, I don't have an acre of fish, but like I'm willing that fish to eat my, I am going to catch a fish. And it, it, it means everything when you're out there to have that, to have that. And, and if you take that same confidence and say, you know what? All right. I practice my casting. I practice tying flies. I practice, I do all this stuff. If I take one hour and I read a little bit about conservation, and I educate myself on that issue. I'm I'm raising my hope and my confidence level on that issue. And when I interact with somebody who doesn't agree with me, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the talking points. I'm gonna know what to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna win that debate because I am I am educated on the topic. Um and and man, I guess that would be kind of like my message to anyone listening to this that you know John is right celebrate the victories learn from the defeats and you know shit part of this is just showing up show up show up wear them down wear them down just get that have that look in your eye like you're not going away anytime soon and uh and and you'll be surprised at, at the stuff that we can turn around and, I, and i'll tell you um was really excited about the victory on striped bass i didn't want to talk too much about the guides association because we do that all the time on the podcast i really wanted to focus on sims and let people you know know who y'all are but as i stated in the beginning of the podcast man you know what a home run we were able to do with with y'all and all of our partners uh that stepped up to to kind of get after this iconic fish and the good news is um you know we're not done with stripers uh we we've made we've made huge gains but y'all are sponsors in our albi project our false albacore project coming up and you want to talk about exciting stuff and that's next level because we're not it's not the pebble mine right it's not an imminent threat it's not it's not a crisis right this is proactive we think there's a problem with false albacore we think it's not being managed. We love these fish. So instead of hollering and complaining about it, we teamed up with our partners like Sims. We raised enough money and we're going to perform groundbreaking science through acoustic tags. Thanks to the trust from our, from our partner organizations. And we're going to start learning about these fish and we're going to take that science and hand it over to the smart people and say, manage these fish. So my kids and grandkids can catch them. And to me, that's the next level. It's we're head, we're heading off a crisis, maybe 10 years from now. Um, and, and I hope y'all are half as excited as, as I am. I got my phone went off. I was like, Holy mackerel. 
is uh this did you know it's it sounded like i don't even know what it, my my phone just started dancing in concentric circles around my desk and it was like five people sending me the same picture of the same albi from martha's vineyard yesterday the first albi showed up and it was all people it was all people who were doing this project with us and they were so excited that they were there early because we're going to tag them and everyone they're here they're here they're here come up now do it now come up come tomorrow let's start tagging tomorrow and i'm like i want to but i can't <laughs> i have to organize the scientists and everyone you know what i mean and everyone like so I, you know all i can say is uh you know john i know if you're from florida you've you've caught your share of albies um it's probably the most awesome fly rod fish you know i don't i can't think of a, of a better one uh paul growing up in the northeast i know I know they're near and dear to your heart. So, you know, let's let's finish saving striped bass. Let's tag some albies with Sims. Let's figure out where these little suckers go, where they have their babies, where they, you know, everything. We don't know nothing. Let's figure it out, man. And let's make sure that y'all are selling Sims waiters to, you know, crazy maniacs on Martha's Vineyard that run full speed down the beach to try to get one cast in an albie all day and and they have your waterproof backpacks and the cleats and everything else um you know because you know this this stuff means a lot to 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 my guides my fishermen and um and i think for them to know that there's there's companies as as well known as sims that uh are, are standing alongside of us while we do this stuff means a lot means a lot means a lot to all of our guys so um you know i think the future is bright um i'm excited about continuing working with you guys on countless projects um so you know let's go save some fish man let's go yeah, let's Tony. go add to the body of science let's make sure these little kids like john's kid empties out his bank account with new fly fishing gear <laughs> in about 10 years you know let's let's make sure all of this man it's all in our hearts right <laughs> I totally agree, Tony. It's, um, you know, all of us here at Sims, we, we get to do some really cool stuff and watch some amazing product uh, get released to the, the fishing community. But, you know, these conservation initiatives that, you know, Paul and I are involved in just to, you know, be a small part of watching that needle move in a positive, positive direction is uh you know the most rewarding aspect of working for a brand like sims it's also it's also absolutely 150 percent necessary right i mean the sport of fishing has grown exponentially over the last couple of years we've all seen it whether it's our own personal experiences being out on the water um and whether you're older and you've had a lot of experience catching fish and watching fisheries go through their ups and downs or you're new to fishing and and don't know too much i mean it's all of our responsibilities especially as a brand to be able to be pushing that stuff forward and and, and doing our best not to just make it a surface level thing but to take it steps further so uh, also super excited about the albi project tony I'm, really looking forward to chatting with you and Jamie and the entire team and like see, seeing it come to fruition. I mean, the oh, new be crazy. acoustic te telemetry stuff that we can do with fish and what's been done with bluefin tuna in the past, just to yeah. track their migrations um, and understand where these fish actually migrate to. I mean, it's a super, super important um, step I, to identify what we got to do in the future. Take care of them. I, you know, you, I, I'm not going to tell the stories. I tell them too much, but 
I'll just put it to you this way. One day, you know, <clears throat> I'm a, uh, I'm gonna be an old, 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 old guy. Um, but you know, I would, I would like before my time ends that y'all could see what stripers were. I would love that. <clears throat> I'd love it. If, if John like 30 years from now, if I'm still hanging on, sent me a picture of his grown, his grown boy and his grandson. And, uh, and they were holding up like 30 pound striper, you know, just a blitz, crazy gannet storm, just blitzes. Like we used to see, man, I, that it, that's it. That'd be it right there. You know, that, 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 that's what makes it all worthwhile for us. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's, I think we all have a right to be excited because I, I feel like the battleships turned and, um, you know, when you look, captains are kicking ass in Florida. And I know that's that's one of your big partner organizations. You look at the weight behind Pebble Mine, and and stopping that, and and the role that y'all played in that. You look at where we're going with stripers. You look at proactive management for Albies, and these are all real important fish. You look at you look at all this work. The the captains guys. I mean, they're turning the tide on a problem that's 150 years old in Florida, and they're fixing it. They are doing it one step at a time. So, you know, for y'all to play a role in each one of those things, even if you think it's small or, you know, it's not, trust me, but you know, that's something to hang your hat on, man. So I know everyone at the guides association appreciates our relationship with Sims. Um, Paul Dixon actually called me and hollered at me because his, uh, his ASGA Sims hat wore out. And, uh, <clears throat> and we actually had two or three left, like in, somewhere and he got them and he called me out of the blue and was like it's my favorite hat in the world thank you so much for sending it to me uh you know little little stuff like that man you know just tiny little thing for a fisherman a favorite hat and and that kind of association and i, I don't know this is uh we're all going in the right direction because we're all rowing in the right direction so uh and Tony, I just to kind of uh, put an in point on what I said earlier, you know, when when I hear a person like you say, I think the future looks bright, that gives me hope that inspires me to get more involved. And I just think that that's, uh, once again, um, you know, letting letting anglers in the community know that, uh, yeah, there's some things that uh, need need attention, but we can make a difference. So I, you know, whenever, like I say, whenever I hear somebody like you saying, you know, things are moving in a good direction. It, it makes me feel really, really hopeful. And, oh no, we're pushing them in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. We, I, make no mistake. Uh, <laughs> if we weren't here, they would be sliding backwards, but yeah. we got momentum on our side. That's what I'm saying. I, I've never seen in my life, so many or so many organizations so many companies uh like you said you know i care about what happens to the madison i'm a couple thousand miles away y'all care about what happens to stripers absolutely on the other side of the goddamn planet you know that's 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 my hope that's why i see things going in the right direction because it's not my fight it's not your fight it's our fight you know, it's all yeah. our fight now. So, and that's really cool stuff. So look, Paul, John, um, thank y'all so much for sharing kind of, you know, your personal stories, what it's like, what it's like to work for Sims. And I think you're, 
what you didn't say, but is the truth is, is the influence that y'all are having on the company. Uh, and I think that's really positive. Not that Sims was ever bad, but I think you have this younger generation that's, that's a voice inside that's driving these issues. So y'all won't say it. You're not going to take any credit, but I'm going to give you some because I, I think I know the truth. Um, <laughs> And uh, and I and and it it doesn't go unnoticed, and that's why I wanted y'all on the podcast. Uh, Sim should be very proud to have such a team working for him because man, it's it's making a lot of people love the product. So, awesome! Thank y'all so much for being on the guidepost. We'll have you on here hopefully with pictures of y'all holding Albies and shoving transmitters uh, in them and and throwing them back and all that kind of fun stuff. And, and <laughs> we're gonna have a hoot. Uh, y'all tune in real soon. Everyone else out there, don't forget to send your comments in. You win a fair at Costas, and thank you for joining the guidepost. Bye.